You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Your Tuesday night edition of Locked On Browns, episode 110. Uh, obviously, I'm your host, Jeff Lloyd. Uh, please, guys, follow the Locked On Browns Twitter account. Follow the Locked On Browns Facebook page. Uh, the more listeners, the better. It allows me to make this show better, bring more for everything that you guys want. As I always keep telling you, I want this show to be your show. Uh, just one thing I want to hit on today, sports-wise. Terrible news. Uh, former Cy Young, two-time Cy Young winner, uh, Roy Holiday, uh, you know, obviously developed a hobby in his you know post-career uh, you know, flying planes, uh, sadly, you know, went down today in the Gulf of Mexico. Just a terrible thing. Um, these athletes today, you kind of see these things happen. You know, these guys trying to find a way to replace, you know, the adrenaline that the sports have brought them over the years. So, you know, just terrible news for that for, you know, obviously the Toronto Blue Jays, the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, just a terrible thing. But uh, with that, uh, you know, we still got shows to do. You know, work needs to be done. It's officially Detroit Lions week. Uh, you know, I reached out today to a couple of people and, you know, one name came up to get me a Detroit Lions primer and that was Kent Platty. Uh, so Kent, first off, uh, thanks so much for joining us here this evening. Uh, you know, part of pride, uh, Detroit.com, uh, the owner of relative athletic score, uh, or the owner of the concept and all the work that goes behind it, if you will. Uh, Kent, how are you doing, buddy? Fantastic, man. Grant, glad to be with you. Okay, uh, you know I appreciate that. Um, now look, uh, obviously big win last evening. You know uh, for Detroit, um, you know, obviously no Aaron Rodgers, but you go into Green Bay, you get yourself a win, four and four. You know here, you know after week nine had the bye. What are your overall thoughts on Detroit and where they are right now? You know as far as a team. Yeah, Detroit faced a really tough beginning schedule for the season, and and four and four is right about where a lot of people projected them to be. Um, regardless of whether you were looking at a seven or nine or a, a, a eleven and five projection, or whether you're you're super confident or maybe not as much, uh, four and four is right about where everybody expected the Lions to be. But the the second half of the schedule is supposed to be a lot more open. It was expected to be much easier than the first half of the season, and ends up being even more easy than the Lions had expected. There's only one team left on their schedule with a winning record, so you know four and four is not a bad place to be when you're looking at a, a decent schedule going forward. Um, as far as the offense, um, look, I'm one of the biggest Matthew Stafford backers there are. Um, it's been interesting, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I go back to even the early when it was the Monday night game, you know, uh, against the Giants. It seems the commitment to run, even if it isn't successful, is a huge part of this game plan this year. Oh yeah, Jim Bob Cooter, you know, he's he's got a lot of flack over over his his tenure so far as the offensive coordinator because he's not very good at, at scheming the run game. He doesn't produce very many creative run plays. He tends to be a little bit predictable. Uh, but they always try to stick with it. They always try to keep going and and pull out those run plays to keep defenses honest uh, with varying degrees of success. I'll I'll use that term. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Now, I mean, for me, you know, looking up that, you know, their stats and everything, you know, almost pretty much everybody who's got a significant amount of carries, you know, it's under, you know, four yards per carry. But I guess the point is, is, you know, you know, maybe when your offense is better than your defense is the point is to probably keep your defense off the field, you know, as much as possible. Um, but we're going to pull on over here. Um, now, Eric Ebron, I was a huge Eric Ebron guy. During the draft process, you know, I actually had some, you know, chances to mess with him and talk with him during it. But, I mean, 
as much as I wanted to back him, and there were times where it looked like it was going to pan out. Uh, number 10 overall pick, 18 receptions to this point this year in year four. Where are they at with him? Yeah, it hasn't been a very good year for Ebron. He he started out, you know, right about where you expect a rookie tight end to be. Not very good. Most rookie tight ends aren't. Um, he had issues with drops. He projected a little bit better into his second year, and he progressed a bit. Same thing going into his third year. He had over 700 yards last year. It was top 10 in several categories for tight ends. Uh, but, man, when you expect a guy to come in into their year four after improving the first couple of years, this is not really where you want to be at the halfway point. Um, all of his issues have been in his head. He's, he, he gets really psyched out any time that he has any kind of a mistake. Um, one, of the, one of the beat writers, I believe it was Justin Rogers for the Lions, that said that, that Eric Ebron is the only player in the NFL that plays 16 away games. Because the Detroit Lions fan base, they're they're not they're not Eric Ebron fans and haven't been for a while. You know, he's always been a really brash personality, and and that really rubs the fan base the wrong way when he's not doing well. And starting off the season with with several drops and not really looking like that type of impact player, that that's not how you do it. Uh, the last couple of weeks have been a little bit better for him. He has five catches and ninety three yards in the last two weeks. Uh, but you know, that's a, that's. That's still not what you expect out of a top 10 player. No one especially. I mean, in this game, everybody is trying to chase and, you know, get that, you know, 75, you know, 80 reception tight ends. And it seems he talks the talk but doesn't walk the walk, if you will, right? Exactly. Um, now, as far as now, you know, at 4-4, four and four, obviously, you know, committed to the running game. You know, with the schedule, is it time to maybe, you know, open up Stafford and kind of let Matthew – go here with the last part of the second half. I mean, he's he's proven that he can handle it. You know, the 500, 600 throws is no issue for him. Um, is that their best position to win going forward? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they've, they've been trying to, to stick to the run game and trying a bunch of different things, and none of it seems to work. Uh, they, they ran with Amir Abdullah as their lead back for most of the year, but they didn't use him on third downs at all up until this week. Uh, I think he got his first third down carry this week in week eight. Um, but they've been using Theo Riddick very, and to varying degrees as a receiver, but they've kind of pared back his usage this year too. Not quite sure why. Um, they've been using Dwayne Washington and Zach Zenner on third downs, both as blockers and occasional runners, and neither has been worth anything really. Um, so with, with as little success as they've had in the run game, there's only so much you know sticking to it that you can do before you really have to just, just call it and, and start passing more and, and trying to find different ways to do it. Uh, a few years back before the Lions had hired Jim Caldwell, their offensive coordinator, it was Scott Linehan, who's over in Dallas now. And uh, Linehan had a lot of issues with the run game as well, but he would augment the, the passing game by using those short screens and, and some really creative routes that he would run. Uh, and, and Jim Bob Cooter really needs to find something like that to get this offense going. The, he, he's been running with that short passing game for so long that you, you just expect something to kick. And, and teams are just figuring it out really fast. The Saints game was probably the biggest example of that. They were batting down almost every pass at the line. Um, so do you think it's maybe like, you know, more of them just maybe trying to save their bullets, you know, and saving Stafford and saving Riddick for a run here over the second half? I would love to think that. That would make me feel really good about things going forward if that were the case. <laughs> Um, but I'm not. I'm not really confident that's what they're doing. I think that they're 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 trying to experiment with a lot of things. You know, Jim Bob Cooter is one of the youngest offensive coordinators in the NFL, one of the youngest coaches in the NFL, and he's very inexperienced. But that that 
that's not an, an excuse that you can keep using now that we're in his now third season as an offensive coordinator. Eventually, you have to stop experimenting and have a plan coming into the game and a backup plan and an understanding of what you need to do to adjust. Uh, and and we really we've seen growth each year from Jim Bob Cooter, but we're just not getting the returns that we would expect to. Um, you know, this week looks a lot better, but we also faced a pretty soft defense in the Green Bay Packers. So hopefully, this is a sign of things turning up. Um, but I'm 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 still a little skeptical. Okay, guys, we're listening. To, you're listening to Locked On Browns. This would be a great time, guys. Go ahead, you know, subscribe, rate, review. I appreciate all of you for all your listening. Uh, you have Kent Platty here uh, giving us some great Detroit Lions knowledge. Now, Kent, going into this game, uh, the one consistent thing for an 0-8 Browns team to this point has been the defense. Uh, the defensive line, the secondary, I mean, the secondary has been very surprising. Um, is there something here, you know, if you're looking at it from the Detroit offensive standpoint, that you're going to, you know, what are the biggest concerns for Detroit in this game? It's going to be the, the defensive line of the Browns. The The Lions' offensive line, it, it held up really well against the Packers, but the Packers don't have a very good pass rush. They're not they're not somebody that I was really concerned with coming into the game. But they'll, you're going to have, if, if Miles Garrett ends up playing, I'm assuming that he's, he's going to be ready to he'll go. Be, he'll be go. Yeah, and he's going to be up against uh, Brian Mihalik, who he was an undrafted free agent. He's a fantastic athlete. But he's not a guy that you would call a consistent left tackle. He was the Lions' third left tackle on the season uh, after Taylor Decker went down and now Greg Robinson went down. Uh, he was terrible against the Steelers, but the Lions were able to, to you know flood some coverage over his way and, and kind of mask that. He was a lot better against the Brown the the Packers, but I have absolutely no confidence that he's going to hold up against Miles Garrett. The Lions are going to have to find some way to to keep Garrett occupied without just manning him up against the the Lions left tackle um that's that's going to be a problem but that's that's been that way coming into every game this year well and that's also the issue though and the one thing in you know because the Cleveland Brown fan base you know obviously they're so desperate for winning and nobody wants to recognize that there is improvement here even if Miles Garrett you know commands a double team or commands you know the running back on a chip block there's so much depth on this defensive line that it's going to be an issue coming from the other side. And this is what, you know, and they get upset because Miles has missed some time. It imp- Miles improves the secondary. He improves the rest of the defensive line. He improves the coverage as a whole. I don't think people understand how much having the elite pass rusher brings to him. And this is, you know, probably, you know, with Detroit and the fact that, you know, the left tackle, like you said, great athlete, not much of a left tackle. This is something that, that that could be an issue here, and you got to think this is going to be the highest snap count that Miles Garrett has probably seen yet. And the fans were upset about the you know the whole concussion protocol, but look, he he spoke about it and said, look, you know, I have a future in life, I have a future in football, I want to make sure I'm right. He actually basically put himself into the protocol, saying he wasn't feeling right. But I mean, he's set to go now, and you know, the way it's looking, I mean, this should be another at least. I mean, he's averaging. You know, uh, one and a third sacks per game. So you got to think hey, he's going to have a stamp into this game. Um, now, Kent, uh, you have an exciting thing here with what you do. Uh, you know, guys like you, James Coburn, and a, another good friend of mine. You guys really put a lot of effort in this, and it's a shame that it is not respected and you know regarded the way it deserves to be. But the relative athletics athletic score. Please go in a little bit more in depth on you know how you came about all this. You know, what drives you to do this? Uh, 
Sure, I'm in the, uh, the fifth year of running relative athletic scores, uh, the, my RAS system. Um, it was built on the idea that, you know, there, it's whenever you come into the combine, you have a lot of people talking about, oh, this guy's a great athlete or this guy, he's, he's not the greatest athlete or it's, it's always those very vague terms you, you hear, you know, sneaky athletic and things like that, <laughs> quick, not, quick, not fast and explosive and agile, all these terms that we, we throw around when we're talking about players, but every player that's in the NFL is a great athlete if you're comparing them to, to just the average person off the street. So it doesn't really have a whole lot of meaning. Um, I developed the system because I wanted to make some kind of simple way to look at a player's athletic measurements and say, this guy is actually a good athlete compared to his peer group, compared to his position group. Uh, so what it does is it takes 10 combine measurements and it rates it on a 0 to 10 scale. Uh, compared to their position group. It goes all the way back to 1987 now. It used to be 1999. I, I got more data now. So it's all the way back to 1987, 31 years. Um, and it rates all those 10 measurements. It comes up with a composite score, and that becomes their relative athletic score. Um, and I, I actually I was excited to announce this year that we're doing uh, draft year RAS. So we, have, we compare it now only up to their draft class. So if we have a guy in 1999, we'll have an overall score from you know 1987 to 2017, and we'll also have a separate score that will only go up to 1999. So we get kind of that snapshot of what his athletic measurements were like when he was drafted. Um, but it's just nice to have a, a way to look at a player's athletic measurements and say, you know, zero to 10, where does this guy measure as a corner, as a receiver? Um, and, and that's, that's, it's been an exciting journey getting all that stuff going. Um, I launched the website this year at relativeathleticscores.com. Uh, and I hope to have an actual web application prior to the draft this year. So people can go on and look at their own players, look up anybody they want to at whatever position they want to run compares. I'm hoping to have some way to pull tables so that people can actually pull up like, oh, give me these you know, 25 players, and it'll pull up all their measurements and scores, and they can do whatever they want with it. Um, it's a lot of data. It's a lot of information. I hope to provide a, a really good service going forward for the draft community and football fans in general. Okay. Now, according to your system, give me a couple of guys that maybe people were down on, but according to the data and the work you do that like turned out to be a win to the system and the work that you're doing. You know, most of the time when you hear about a guy that's an elite athlete, they tend to measure really well. Um, but when you have guys that that people say are going to measure poorly and then they measure well, that ends up being somebody that people want to pay attention to. Uh, Carl Lawson was a guy this year that people kept saying he's he's not a very good he's not very good bender on the edge. He's explosive, but not you know as explosive as people would like to. You know, and Carl Lawson ended up being one of the better uh, pass rushers this year as a rookie. Um, and he had an 8.55 RAS out of 10. So he, he was an elite athlete that people were talking like, oh, he's not really that, you know, as, as athletic as we'd like for a guy. Um, but he was. He measured out elite. And there wasn't really any reason for people to be talking about it. Um, another guy that I always love to point to, um, just because it, it blows my mind that he went undrafted, was, was Cam Wake. You know, Cam, Cam Wake came from a, a pass rushing school, a place that, that was pumping out linebackers and pass rushers like it was nobody's business. Uh, and he came out in, in 2005 with what would have been an 8.81 out of 10 RAS, so an elite athlete coming out of a school that was known for producing NFL talent. And he went undrafted somehow and had to go north of the border and play. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't make any sense to me that that, that kind of thing happened. Um, but then you have the opposite end of the spectrum. You have guys like Antonio Brown who you know, obviously was drafted in the sixth round, so it affected his draft stock a little bit. But 
you know, his overall score today is only 3.16 out of 10. So he wasn't the best athlete from a measurable standpoint. He, he had one of the worst broads, broad jumps in NFL history for a wide receiver. He only, he only <laughs> jumped like, he only jumped like eight, eight foot, nine inches. It's, it's bottom 16th percentile or sorry, bottom 1.6th percentile. <laughs> so, you know, you have guys like that. You're like, I, I never would put not explosive and Antonio Brown in the same sentence. You know, the, the, those aren't the type of terms that you would apply to him. But when he was coming out of the draft, he measured that way. See, that's what I love about the guys who do these numbers. Like you can admit that every now and then that there's just an absolute, you know, a guy who's just, you know, a conundrum to whatever you do. And, you know, Antonio Brown having a broad jump that's equivalent to a dad like you or a dad like me. <laughs> I mean, you know, rough things. Um, yeah. Look, uh, you know, obviously it's relatively early for you and the number system for you is, you know, obviously not complete until at least we get combine. You know, I'm not sure how you factor in pro days for me. You know, there's always a, you know, obviously the 40 time is one issue 40 you know, with uh, pro days. But, you know, the jumps and stuff like that you take as, you know, probably real. Um, we need running backs here in Cleveland. Uh, you know, Isaiah Crowell uh, came out week two and said he was already looking about his contract extension. And now he's, you know, running with an average of below four point yards per carry. Um, one of the biggest names as far as you know, the draft circles right now, Saquon Barkley. Um, yeah. You said you maybe have a RAS score that you think you can work with right now. What do you got for us? I do. We do get some spring measurements from some players, and we're able to run them through the system. Now, the caveat to that is depending on the school that you're looking at, it's not necessarily the most reliable thing in the world. The old uh, Virginia Tech 37 40. <laughs> I got you. Exactly. Uh, and But Penn State's fairly reliable when it comes to that. I've actually run compares in the past to look at that sort of stuff. But Penn State is actually fairly reliable. Um, I don't think his 40 time is going to be as great as it was. He ran a 4-3-3 during, during training. Uh, but he also had a 38-inch vertical and a 10-10 broad, which is just that's, – that's crazy at, at, at 230 pounds. Um, so his RAS score ended up being 9.98 uh, out, out of 10. It would be top three out of over 1,000 running backs going back to 1987. So that's, that's right now looking at his athleticism. Even if he comes in a little bit short of that 4-3-3, this is an incomplete score. So he could pull some of those other scores up and do even better than that. Yeah, so, I mean, we're talking. And now once you get focus in on combine training, even if the 40 time still ends up you know, right around 4-4, still a phenomenal number. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 still a great number. There's very few at, at any position. Very few people run under a four four. So the way that Raz works, it's it's percentile based. So it, even if he runs a four four, it's not going to drop that number a whole lot. Very interesting. Um, now, uh, you know, one running back who's kind of really put himself on the map. You know, kind of played the caddy position at Christian McCaffrey. But Bryce Love, uh, obviously, you know, statistically and you know with the long runs, he's really you know probably made a really, really great case for himself. So uh, where are you at with him? Yeah, just like just like Saquon Barkley, he had a fantastic springtime. We're on a 4.31. Uh, his RAS ends up being an 8.89 right now projected. Uh, he had a 37.5-inch vertical and ran a 4.2 shuttle, which is – those are both those are both really good marks. So uh, he's he's measuring out like a, a elite athlete at the moment. His size is probably going to hurt him. He's not He's not the biggest running back in the world. Uh, size is factored into the scores, um, but you consider that even with those sky, those size scores pulling him down, he's still measuring out at, in among the elite here. So he's he's probably going to come in with a pretty good score. 
And you would probably think his 40 time is probably going to be more accurate to what, you know, what you have as opposed to maybe Saquon Barkley. Exactly. I think if you've watched, if you've watched Bryce Love, he gets a lot of space to run. Uh, that's actually probably going to be a bigger knock on him than any athleticism concerns people are going to have. But uh, he gets a lot of space to run, and he he might not be a 4.31, but he's probably sub 4.4. Absolutely. Uh, Kent Platty, I appreciate it so much here. Uh, you know, we got some great Lions coverage, you know, a little bit more on the, uh, you know, relative athletic score. Um, give me a quick prediction. What do you think, Sunday? Is it an easy win for the Lions? I don't think there's such a thing as an easy win for the Lions, so I'm not I'm not going to go down there. Uh, the Lions have a great history playing the Browns. You know, we, we used to have a, a nice little preseason rivalry going. The, the distance isn't too far between our two stadiums. Uh, and, of course, you know, Matthew Stafford got one of his biggest wins against the Browns and where he hurt his shoulder and came in at that last second and got the win. Uh, so the Browns games always hold a little bit of extra extra special spot in our hearts. Um, I do think the Lions are going to pull out a win. I don't think it's going to be as much of a blowout as it was against the Packers. The the Browns' defense is way better. Um, I, I think it's going to be a little bit low, lower scoring. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess somewhere in the neighborhood of 24 to 17 Lions. Okay. All right. Well, Kent, thanks so much for your time here tonight. Uh, Locked on Browns, episode 110, your Tuesday night edition. Uh, guys, let's go Browns. Uh, we have some more guests coming this week. Keep the shows pumping out. Appreciate you so much for listening.